up to the High Holy Days, many people made an appointment to be in the Wolf Sanctuary to visit with God. 15 minutes alone or with a partner, a page of meditations in hand, a private, personal moment for those in search of renewal and return, to gather strength to face the challenges yet to come. Here is where so many of us seek God's presence, even if that presence defies concrete definition. And being away from temple, being away from each other for so long, searching for a spiritual connection we didn't even know we missed, many of us are left to wonder, how do we maintain connection to each other and the Holy One when we are physically apart on these high holy days? Exile. It's what all human beings fear most, a forced leaving the loss of our home. Jews are experts at exile. Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden, the Israelites from Jerusalem, our Sephardic ancestors from Spain and Portugal, our Ashkenazi forebears from Central, Eastern, and Western Europe. Today is no different, not really. Sure, most of us are safely ensconced in our homes, but we still find ourselves in a modern-day existential exile perpetuated by a microscopic organism, separated from our community, our congregation, our Jewish home. As Reformed Jews, we're far more comfortable focusing on the historic aspects of exile than on the spiritual ones, but I promise you they are intertwined. And if we can intuit the consolation and hope our ancestors held onto despite their time in exile, then perhaps we can find some relief from the malaise we feel when we confront our own current reality. As the sun sets and we begin the holiest 24 hours of the Jewish year, we owe it to ourselves to figure out how to make these high holy days count like they never have before. From the book of Deuteronomy forward, we are told that proper worship requires that we gather people in a specific way, in a specific place, at a specific time. In temple times, sacrifices overseen by priests, punctuated by pilgrimage festivals, maintained the holy structure of our Jewish life. But after the temple was destroyed, we began to see God's dwelling place as temporal. And what remained was a requirement of people a minion, or ten Jewish souls, to say certain prayers to properly encounter God. Today, as Reformed Jews, we find that innovation is required once again. For as much as we believe that to gather together is ideal, we know we do not need to be in a particular place or space to experience God's presence. As we learn from the Talmud, Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai says, Come and see how beloved the Jewish people are before the Holy One. As every place they were exiled, the divine presence went with them. They were exiled in Egypt, and the divine presence went with them. They were exiled in Babylonia, and the divine presence went with them. So too, when in the future they will be redeemed, the divine presence will be with them. As it is stated, then Adonai your God will return with your captivity." It does not say God will cause the Jewish people to return, but rather it says God will return, which teaches that the Holy One will return together with them 
from among the various exiles. The Talmud seems to be saying God can't or won't do anything to fix the situation. But no matter how great our struggle or our sense of alienation or isolation, God is always present, traveling along the path of exile with us until we are able to return. In a chaotic world, God's holiness is portable. I can still remember how I felt when I walked in here for the first time for my interview to be your rabbi. I was struck by its vastness and then by its elegant historic beauty. The space felt both majestic and calm. I conjured the energy of a sanctuary filled with people over many generations. And I wondered, what would it feel like to speak from this bima, to lead worship here? I felt a long way away from the mid-sized suburban sanctuary I was used to. Would my connection to God feel the same here? Could I create strong and loving relationships? Could this be my spiritual home? Seven high holy days later, I know without a doubt that a direct connection to God's holiness doesn't depend on a specific space. This is now home. So why, after leading Shabbat services from my home in March and April, did I feel I needed to be here instead of there? If location doesn't matter, why did I long to share the sanctuary with you? Nostalgia or homesickness? Maybe, but it was more than that. I think I had a need to remind us all that exile is temporary, that we will gather in this place once again. I am often physically alone in this room, but I never feel lonely because I see your faces singing songs and reciting prayers. And even though the only voice I hear is my own, I feel yours. And it gives me hope. Your energy, your faith, your decision to be present, to help create community, are what brings God's holy presence to me. And your choice to be here tonight also fills me with hope. It is a strong testament to your faith that bolsters mine. In a chaotic world, God's holiness becomes portable. We often assume that to be a person of faith requires that we believe something specific and certain about God and how God works in the world. Not so, said Rabbi Larry Hoffman during a Zoom panel presentation this past June. Faith has very little to do with belief. Rather, faith is a perspective on our future. It is being able to paint a picture of our world or tell a story about our lives where there is a future worth living for. So faith at any time or place is a redeeming snapshot drawn from our own picture of or story of the human condition. If Rosh Hashanah is about embarking on the road to our personal return, what is Yom Kippur if not a reminder of our responsibility to create that redeeming snapshot together? Our responsibility is not diminished by the current need to be physically apart. If anything, it is amplified and requires enhanced courage, connection, and commitment to make important choices about how it should be when we are physically back together again. The prayers we say connect us to the generations of Jews before us who are also searching for a way to paint their own picture of a world redeemed. But the moral choices we make, 
the words we speak and the relationships we nurture, these are the tangible expression of our own theology, of our understanding of God's holy presence. And when these choices are made together in community, our impact and influence, but also our resolve to be better and do better, are strengthened. Tonight we're reminded that as much as we wish it were all over, that a vaccine or a treatment for COVID-19 would arrive already, that the last six months had never happened. We know that even if the pandemic had never happened, our world would still need healing. We would still need Yom Kippur to take account of our own actions, choices and words, to own our mistakes, to forgive others for theirs, to paint a renewed picture together of what a future worth living for might be. This task is what connects us, not just as people, but as Jews. Time and again, we have made our lives among others, only to be sent away into exile. So we have learned to look out for each other. But God requires more. We must look after all of God's creatures and finish creating the world that God intended it to be. Each of us is accountable to help make a world where everyone receives honor, respect, and acceptance for being our most authentic selves. A world where everyone's individual needs and the collective good are in better balance. A world where everyone chooses to use the power of words and actions to heal and not hurt. A world where there is greater currency in lifting others up rather than tearing them down. This year, the stakes feel higher than ever before. So this year, I challenge us to keep our teachers and our employees feeling safe and supported. We must keep wearing masks and washing our hands and insist that our children, that our family members do the same. I challenge us to acknowledge the stress of working from home for those of us who have that privilege and to make sure that we appreciate those who must leave their homes to provide for their families every day. I challenge us to insist on safe and secure, but also accessible ways for people to cast their vote while we risk, resist the urge to turn civic responsibility into a political fight. I challenge us to have uncomfortable conversations about gender and race, about inclusion and exclusion, to open our hearts and our minds to a more equitable future for us all. The rabbis of the Talmud understood that God does not abandon us in our exile, but they also knew that exile was never an excuse for bad behavior or harsh words, for self-pity or overwhelming despair. So even though by all accounts, it has been a most difficult year, God still requires that we, through our actions and our behavior, work to create a life that is worth living for us all. So while we find ourselves in exile during these holy days, we are still very much together. And God's presence is certainly amongst us as well. Wherever we sit, wherever we pray, wherever we let God in. Amen. Mm -hmm.